stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I'm Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. This woman had a gift many others didn't have, a gift that could impact and help others along life's journey. But as a young woman, this gift got her into trouble and led her to feeling misunderstood and alone. So she chose to hide her special gift and instead used her financial education to create a successful international company focused on wealth generation for those pursuing cross-border living. But as the years passed, she bravely started looking for ways to utilize her hidden gift. And in this path, the greatness has begun to unfold. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Jennifer Patterson. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Annette. It's great to be here. Okay, so we have got so much to talk about today. So let's jump right in. I want to start at the beginning. You grew up on a farm and had a mother that told you you were poor, yet your friends actually thought you were rich. Tell me why this disconnect occurred and how it impacted you in those early formative years. Sure. Yeah, it was really interesting. I think what I ended up realizing was we had horses, we had land, and for some reason, my our neighbors who were living in matchbox houses that were, you know, one on top of the other in the actual neighborhoods uh, ended up thinking that we were we had so much land, we had all these resources that we had way more than they did. And it turned out that, you know, they were more jealous of me. And I was thinking that, you know, we didn't fit in that same space. And and really, that's where the, that dichotomy started for me. And I remember thinking, well, which one of us has it wrong? Or which one of us has it right? And which is right? And which is wrong? And really just started thinking, well, maybe neither of us are wrong. And maybe neither of us are right. It's just that we have a different upbringing, a different background, a different set of circumstances, and we get to to work with that. So that's really how it got started. So throughout your adult life, you have always pushed back against the masses and have not really followed them or their messaging. So what has been the positive and negative of moving through life this way? Well, I would say the negative is, you know, that it feels very lonely you know, you, you're always, I saw a, someone said somewhere, you know, the, the pioneers are the people with people with the arrows on their back. And it can feel like that a lot as well. But at the same time, you know, I think the positives are that you, you really do what is innate to you. And by paying attention to that and honing it, not running away from it, that it opens more doors naturally. You know, you don't fight as much as, you know, we can all set goals. We can, you know, we can think, oh, I have to do A, B, and C, whatever, you know, the the, the flavor of the day is. And yet by by staying true to who you are and what your talents are and, and you know, not shying from them, despite being that pioneer or despite being that person who's pushing out into new boundaries or that sort of thing, it, it will all come back. You know, it's it's staying true. It's sort of trusting and and knowing that, it's going to come through. And, and the positives are that much stronger and that much sweeter in a way. I was thinking sweeter too. It tastes a whole lot sweeter, doesn't it? It does. You're just like, wow, I really, this was really great. And you really, when you're thinking great, you know, it's not like, oh, that was great. It's like, no, really like, wow. You know, that really, that really feels so good. And that and that's really what makes it worth it, I think, in the end. 
And, and I have seen through doing these interviews of powerful women across the world like you, Jennifer, I have seen that so many of them do not follow the masses because they have found what you just said so brilliantly is that it squashes their creativity. And when they are allowed to stand in their own power and in their own truth, they are able to create. They're not, they're not set by boundaries the same mm-hmm. way that if you get caught up in everything that the masses are doing and, and that the messaging around that. Yeah. And I think it, it can, you know, those messages, they, they just confuse you. And I mean, you have to listen to it in a certain extent, because I think I like to think of them now as filters. So, you know, information's coming in. I take that in. I let it sit. And in fact, what I found was you need a bit of space with those, with that information that comes in. If, you know, you go on a training or something like that, at least I for sure get often a lot of ideas. You'll, you'll think, oh, this is exciting. There's all these interesting things. I really have to sit with that and let it kind of marinate a little bit, resonate, and then think, okay, well, how do I want, what do I want to use out of that? We don't want to use all of it. I need to use what feels right and keeps me on path as opposed to, you know, getting sidetracked because otherwise it turns into what people call a shiny object. And (laughs) really what it's doing is it's taking us away from that power, you know, at the end of the day. But again, not saying that there's not a nugget there. There may be something useful. I'm not saying that we just walk that path by ourselves and say, oh, I don't need anybody, right? We, we know we need, we need mentors, we, we need coaches, we need to find other people to talk with, right? And we have to learn from one another. So we have to do that at the same time that we're, we're walking that independent path. And that's what makes it more fun and less lonely at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well said, well said. So something else that you told me I want to dig into a little bit. You told me you struggle with quality over quantity in your work. So explain this a little further and tell me if this has created any bottlenecks to your success. Mm, Good question. Yes. Quality over quantity happens all the time for me, uh, if I'm honest. And I'm trying to think, it it does create a bottleneck because it tends into, I have to make sure that I'm not tending into perfection Mm -hmm. with the work. That's really what it comes down to. Now, the, the way that the quality versus quantity comes around for me is with uh, with work, right? So are we are we better at uh, or should should we? You know, there's that should, which is one of those uh, one of those words that we try to to worry about, to stay away from. But at the end of the day, you know, this this idea or this question of am I better off going deeper, having better quality relationships, you know, with clients, or do we want to have more clients, lower, less deep, you know, more surface level? Uh, relationship. And for me, it was, no, I don't, I don't feel like people are a commodity, right? So we respect who we work with, we want to get the best, we want their best output, their best outcome, just as ways I want my own best outcome for me. And so that's really where it kind of came from was I and then professionally, what happened was, I got involved with the profession. And we were trying to advance the profession, and particularly around a set of marks, that we are trying to bring forward into where I live now. And what it was interesting because the it was all supposed to be about the consumer. It was really about, oh, if we bring this set of marks forward, um, we will be protecting that consumer. Well, come to find out the set of marks is a global set of uh, letters that, you know, you, professional designation you can get, you can earn it. But because it is global um, and because the content ends up being country specific, 
when you get into a, a country that has multiple nationalities in it, then you can end up seeing those same letters after your after somebody's name, and the consumer won't know the difference in terms of what that training represented. And that was, and so that's just the backstory. But what was happening was the firms who were willing to sponsor the startup of the organization that was going to get these these marks um, sorted out in this country were really the one they were kind of saying, you know, we just want to we just want the letters. We want credibility. And that started into this piece of quality over quantity. In other words, they were saying it's really about how many people that we can get licensed. And that's going to be the way that we protect the, the consumer. And, and as time was going on, I was and discussions were happening. I was realizing that, no, it's really about the sale. The only way to protect these people is to have the real depth of knowledge. That's why doctors have to train in the same you know, you know, your surgeons are just longer in school, but they are all doctors at the end of the day. And so that was what I was saying. I was saying, no, our our specialists, the people who have to understand, in my case, the rules of different countries, because we're working with people who are globally mobile or have that multinational set of circumstances in their family, they they we have to have that higher standard. We need to be like the surgeon, not like the general practitioner. And that's where the quality versus quantity came in for me, really. And now and it stays because now we're saying, no, we have to, it's about that consumer. Do no, it's not just do no harm. It's get them to the finish line, happy, successful. And, and I'm going right. to stop there for a second because it's, it's an interesting, and, and I want our listeners to hear what Jennifer is saying in that it is a delicate balance because you can go too far in the quantity side and yes. not deliver the depth to the consumer in your field, for example, mm-hmm. or you can go too far to the quality side where it ends up freezing you in time and you keep trying to perfect, 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 and you don't make progress. So it is a delicate balance and it's particularly a fragile balance for those of you that are very driven, like you are, Jennifer, and like myself, Absolutely, yeah. because yes. it's a, no. it, it is a constant, constant struggle. So I'm going to move on to the next question. In the intro, I mentioned your hidden gift, and you described this gift to me as your ability to see through the fog of a situation, drill down quickly and set a direction, and truly, it is such a powerful, intuitive gift. What advice would you give to other women who hide their gifts and struggle to embrace them? I say work with it. I think for me, I like the, the part of getting in trouble was that I didn't understand I didn't understand how other people might respond to how I might use that ability. And, and then by getting that neg- a negative reaction, especially when I was younger and, and adult figures were saying, oh, and I can't think of an example, but it, you know, it would be something like, don't do X and Y, or why do you always do this? Or why are you upsetting Susie? You know? <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, I was trying to help and I didn't understand. So I, I think really it's this idea of accept it, try to understand it, test it, Test it in a way that maybe is, you know, safe, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. I would, well, I, like I said, I kind of tripped through it. And then what I did was, uh, what I think I told you, and that was that I, I stopped using it. Right. And then I thought, this is not working either. It's not working for me. As you said, it, it is a gift. And I started to understand it more as a gift. And anybody who has gifts that are given to them that you don't ask for, you know, you, you have to start to understand how to work with it. And so I would say, test it out. 
um, in a safe environment, reassess. It's this idea of, again, sitting, you know, in the silence with yourself, thinking, well, what, what happened? What was I trying to do? What was my intent? How did it get received? Was there a way that I need to phrase or ask permission? I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what it would be. I know I didn't, I have learned to ask permission sometimes where I say, is it okay if I give you an observation? Are you okay to talk? Um, I have some ideas about something that I saw with you. Are you, are you open to talking about that? Once I get that permission, I now sort of proceed in. And then I'll, and like I said, I'll test as well as I might just test the what's coming up for me by asking an open-ended question and see how that gets responded to. And if they seem open, take that next baby step uh, communication wise and feel my way through for want of a better description. So sometimes if, if our listeners have that special gift and they go in like a bull in a china shop, as the old saying used to go, mm-hmm. they will get a negative reaction and they think it's negative toward their gift. And it may not be negative toward their gift at all. In your case, it was not. It was the way you were your gift was showing up and you needed to learn how to manage that better so that mm-hmm. it was impactful as yeah. opposed to frustrating and hurtful for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was me... <sighs> almost naive, you know, I just think what would happen was I would just get this idea. Somebody would say something and I'd think, you know, you could always, and it just seemed practical to me, or it just seemed like we could just fix this thing, <laughs> whatever it was like right here and now. And, and I might be direct, you know, I might've just said, well, you could just X, Y, Z, you know, right. whatever, whatever, fill in the blank. And that person, the way it hit them was, you know, they like, first of all, they hadn't asked me for their advice. Right. <laughs> so that was the first thing. So that's the biggest, you know, it's very much kind of setting, you know, understanding how it's going to be received. Right, 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 right. Exactly. So you have been a champion of investing in yourself without hesitation. As one who advises others how to build wealth, how has your self investment strategy paid off for you? And what advice would you give to other women who want to be super successful? How has it paid off? Well, first of all, I've met some amazing people. As it comes back to this idea that it does feel lonely when you're pushing those boundaries and you are that driven person. And But you know what? The best thing about investing in yourself is you're going to find other people like you. And you can you can share those, those low moments. You can share those high moments. They understand you more. And that, that's just one of the best things that I've learned coming out of it is because you might think some people might say that we need a whole lot of people around us again, kind of coming back to that quality versus quantity piece again. And, and I've learned, I was like, no, I really want the high quality relationships around me. And that goes and and strangely, or maybe not strangely, but where I found the, my better friends, my best friends were in the personal development space, you know, and, and not everybody, to be honest, maybe it's one person that you meet at one conference or one training session, but I think it's all, all worth it for me, for sure. That's been the biggest benefit. So yes, I got the training. I was building me at the same time, but really, honestly, it's been finding the people uh, for me 
Interesting. Yeah. And so a lot of people, you know, would think that it's just in polishing skills, uh, increasing your value, and they're all certainly true. But being having that high level of interaction and relationships that come from those kinds of investments, it, it is priceless, isn't it? It, it is. It absolutely. really is. And I just so many things have just come out of those those relationships, just those friends. And, you know, the best thing about it is I don't, some friends, I'm just going to throw it out there and say some friends are just more needy, you know, mm-hmm. let's be honest. And I'm going to say like the friends that I have met through the professional development space are not those needy friends. They, they're there for you if you need them. It's, you know, everybody's like, reach out to me if you need something. And they really, really mean it because it's not that surface level. Oh, hey, I'm here for you. It's, it's real. Right. You know. Right. And that is priceless, isn't it? Mm, it's a it is. It is. Yeah. Very so hard to find. You know, it is. Like, it's very hard to find. It and when it up. is, it's like gold. It's like gold. So one last question. Your clients are foreign employees of multinational corporate companies. And I've heard you say that this group of people know what it means to be resilient. What do you see that they could teach the rest of us about resilience? I'm going to say, I think their resilience, you know, these people are going, they're dropping the normal life in the first place. The, and the security of that. And the security of that. And they're, they're full on on the mission of the employer. So they're moving into this other jurisdiction uh, with not a lot, sometimes not a lot of notice. I, I know of these of well, clients and friends who have been given two weeks notice, three weeks notice, and someone in the relationship, if it's a marriage, that one spouse who is not, they're not moving for that person, the, the career spouse, right, has also become super resilient because of the ability to adapt and change to whatever is coming at them. And that's really the what, what I mean by resilience. It's working through well, living with uncertainty. And I think this, you know, and particularly in today's when, you know, we're talking COVID is still still a thing. And and if anything, I think that's that virus is helping the the masses start to understand that we all need to be more resilient. We need to not become complacent. And and that's where this piece of uncertainty, you know, I always heard people in, in my expat friends and clients in the beginning when I first started working with them were saying, I can't plan because I don't know where I'm going to be because they, they know they have a contract. So like I was saying, they, they know they have a contract. Maybe that contract has two to three years on it left, but they don't know where they're going to be. They don't know if they're going to even have a renewal of that contract. And that's the main uh, wage earner for that family, right? Because that accompanying spouse is keeping to, you know, constantly reinventing now in today's, you know, with the internet, the way it is, there are more spouses who have adapted and they're, they're like, I'm going to have that global career or have that right. career where I can work no matter where I am. So that's come around, but that's, it's this idea of, you know, they were first saying, I can't see beyond that. And then we started saying, well, no, you know, you plan because of the uncertainty. So think about what you want and what are we really driving toward in the first place? Like what it's you at the end of the day, that's important, you and your family and their health. And the money part is a tool that we're going to to use however we need to. But at the end of the day, the money needs to be told what to do. It's not going to do anything magically for you. So if you don't know what you want, you know, so like for back to the position of that career and not knowing 
where they're going to be. So they kept saying, well, I don't know where I'm going to be. Therefore, I can't plan. I was like, no, you can't. You are at a choice here. If we have to build you up so that if your contract isn't renewed, you're still okay. And that still gives you a choice. You, you are at a choice every contract renewal. You don't have to take that contract. You don't have to go. You don't have to stay with this employer. And that started unlocking them. And now that's where there's this piece of you can plan despite uncertainty. And, that, and that's a good point right there. So let's stop there for a second because that is the real message that yeah. these people and, and a firm like you have can teach the masses right now. Mm-hmm. And that is in this uncertainty, they still have choices. In fact, it is a good lesson for us to build that resiliency muscle by yeah. having choices to pull on. And mm-hmm. even people that feel like they have no choices, they really do, don't they, Jennifer? Yes, I, I believe they, they just got to look at they just got to open their eyes and look at things differently and get outside their safe space. Because we know to get resilient, you got to get uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I, I sort of talk about the three lives of you or there's the default life, there's the decent life, and then there's the designed life. And, you know, a lot of our clients, unfortunately, I say, unfortunately, they're indecent. And decent is almost worse than default. Default is when, you know, I, you feel like you have no control, but you've accepted that, you know, you're just going one day after the next, and it's just this rote routine and you're stuck in this rut. But the decent life is when every, you know, nothing's really broken. And then you, you, you're settling, you know, you have to then find it within you and say, I, I can, I, I kind of fell into this okay rut, you know, it's still a rut. And the only way that we get out of that is you start saying, no, I, I'm going for what I want. And I know I can get what I want. It's just a matter of sticking true to what I and want. That's your design life, is designing. It? The, yeah. yeah, and that, I love that analogy. That is beautiful, and I, I think it really helps people see the three places they could be settling in their life and how resiliency mm-hmm. fits into that. So, Jennifer, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? I think it's really just accepting the path you you're you're on a path and i feel like i for sure thought that i needed to drive the path and have it all figured out you know like that end point that north star that what you want thing doesn't have to be perfect and that's the biggest thing that i have also learned with clients because again you know things that we've been talking about and even just that designed life piece that can feel very heavy and well, some people can feel very heavy and some other people are like, ah, oh, that's what I need. And if it's feeling heavy, it's possibly because you're trying to make it perfect and it's not going to be, it needs to be a vision of what you want. And one step at a time, you take a step, you reassess, take another step and reassess and know, trust, use your gift and find mentors to, to work with. Great advice. Great advice. Excellent advice. Jennifer, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy, crazy schedule to share your backstory with our listeners today. And Jennifer is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman's story unfolds. 